We are reading from Galatians chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Have you experienced so much in vain, if it really was in vain? So again I ask, does God give you his Spirit and work miracles among you by works of the law or by believing what you heard? So also Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. As it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly, no one who relies on the law is justified before God, because the righteous will live by faith. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, it says, the person who does these things will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole. He redeemed us in order that the blessings given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Thanks, Jilly. Oh, I'm pressing all the wrong things. Oh, can you put me back on the first? <laughs> I'm trying to record. Here we go. I found the right button. Great. Uh, hello again. Um, <coughs> do keep that passage open. Uh, there's a few uh, things in it today. There's a few themes that Paul uh, starts, which we'll return to later in the book. Uh, some of the uh, points about uh, the blessing of Abraham he'll come on to being the children of God in uh, the next couple of weeks uh, and what the Spirit's work looks like uh, within us beyond the salvation sense. So some of that's coming up. Uh, so let me pray though as we begin, as we look at uh, what's quite a core passage for the gospel, for what we believe. So let me pray as we begin. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Uh, thank you for uh, revealing yourself to us in it. We pray now that you would speak to us, that by your spirit you would soften our hearts for the first time or for the hundredth time to understand your gospel, to give you glory, and to trust in you alone. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, well, last week we saw from <clears throat> the end of chapter 2... Uh, uh, the doctrine of the gospel, one of the, the core doctrines of the gospel, and that was justification, meaning to be declared innocent before God for salvation, 
by faith alone in Christ alone. And this week's passage continues that theme, uh, but gives us, if you like, the sort of mechanics of how that all works. So there's the, the doctrine. Uh, how does it all work? How, do, how is it possible? Uh, what is faith? Uh, what, is it, what is it about Christ that makes our justification, our declared innocence, possible? Uh, why are good works never enough to save us? And how do we continue in faith, not just begin in faith? So there's some of the things we're looking at today. We've got three points. And the first one is portraying Christ crucified. Have a look at verse 1 of our passage today. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. Uh, We know now how seriously Paul is taking the Galatian Christians who have started to believe well by trusting in Jesus for their salvation, but they're now also being tempted or, or led astray to believe that they need to also tick some of the boxes of the Jewish ceremonial law, uh, namely that they, like the Jews, need to be circumcised as a true sign of being one of God's people. Uh, it was, as we saw last week, like a gospel plus circumcision message. And any gospel plus something, as we thought about last week, uh, is no gospel, is no good news at all. You're foolish, says Paul, to think anything of your own doing can help save you before God. Who has bewitched you, he says, perhaps suggesting that it's the devil's work that distracts us from the gospel. He bewitches us, uh, not by an all-out violent attack that's obvious and everyone can see it, but just by twisting uh, those truths. Just by growing things out of those truths, he bewitches us as he bewitched Eve in the Garden of Eden, twisting what God had said so that doubt came in. But now, rather than just telling them that uh, theologically they are wrong, he goes, if you like, for the heart of the matter, the heart of the gospel, the mechanics of how it all works, the heart of every true believer, and he says, verse 1, before... Your very eyes, Jesus Christ, was clearly portrayed as crucified. Paul's point is that the whole good news of salvation by faith alone in Christ alone centres around the realities of Jesus' death on the cross. And a true believer has seen, before their very eyes, Christ crucified. Now, the Galatians weren't at the crucifixion of Jesus. I mean, by chance, one or two might have been. Uh, So he doesn't mean they were physically there to watch the event. But through the preaching and the proclaiming of Paul, of the gospel, portraying Christ crucified, they saw it before their very eyes. Uh, The New Testament is clear that Christ crucified is the central event upon which the gospel hangs, quite literally. On the screen are a few verses, 1 Corinthians 1, 23. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews, because they want to be circumcised and follow all the rules, and foolishness to the Gentiles. Why would God kill himself? Or 1 Corinthians 2, 2. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except... Jesus Christ and him crucified. This is the one message. 
Hebrews 9.28. So Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many. And later in Galatians, Paul's going to write 6 verse 14. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. The only thing I'm going to exalt and say that's good is Jesus Christ on the cross. Uh, Without showing people Christ crucified on the cross, there is no gospel. There's no justification. There's no forgiveness of sins. There is no good news. Uh, Many these days are uncomfortable with telling people that Jesus had to die on a cross for our sins at the hand of God. Uh, Many don't think it necessary to speak often of sin and therefore Christ's death. Uh, Many churches deny that God would use such a barbaric death and injustice to his loved son just to save others. Many don't think we need the cross at all. I've been banned from one church for preaching Christ crucified. The minister never spoke to me again. Uh, We've left another church because it defended leaving out the cross of Christ from their own gospel. Uh, I've had people in congregations, even in this church, say, well, we don't need to hear so much about repentance and sin and and, and those sort of nonsense. Uh, Are you so foolish, verse 3, after beginning by means of the Spirit... Are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Unless we preach Christ crucified for our sins, there is no gospel. Unless we hold to the truth as we begin in faith, until the end, we have no hope. There is no good news. Christ died because of our sins, because of our rebellion against God. And so I hope we never hear a sermon that does not show us, portray the cross of Christ and therefore call us to faith in him and our humble repentance before him. Uh, That word portray uh, is is a helpful one, I think. Uh, As we think about how we share the gospel with others, perhaps at work or with our children or as we teach from the front or in our home groups or in youth groups or children's groups, we are to portray Christ crucified. Uh, Originally that word meant to to be sort of a public declaration showing the object, Uh, not just telling of its existence and reality, but when the gospel of Christ is proclaimed, we're to see it, portray the event. It's why we ask the Spirit to open our eyes so that we can see the event before our eyes. Do you see him? Bruised and beaten, Hanging, bloody and dying on the cross, a spear in his side, forsaken by man and by God, like a lamb led to the slaughter. The skies go dark and he's separated from God to take our sin, our curse as we're going to see in a minute, and judgment upon himself. A real event, it's not just head knowledge for the believer. But it's physical, it is real, our heart and our eyes have been opened to see it before us by the Spirit. It's as much real today as it was 2,000 years ago when those eyewitnesses literally stood there and watched. Look at him, says the Gospel. Have your eyes firmly fixed on Christ crucified. How can you forget you foolish 
Galatians. How can you add anything to that image? As if something we could now do could add to that event of Christ crucified. How precious, as later we ought to consider when we take the Lord's Supper, as we see Christ crucified as represented by the bread and the wine. It's no mistake that the regular sacrament of remembrance is one that focuses us on the crucifixion of Christ, his death. For that is where it all happened, once and for all. That is where the good news lies. Uh, The New English Bible translates this verse as Jesus openly displayed on the cross. So when we speak to our friends about faith, we're not to elevate ourselves. We're not to primarily speak about the benefits of being part of a church or, or to tell how much better we are now that we know Jesus or we're Christians. We're to show them Christ crucified. And that means we're going to humble ourselves. We're going to speak of our struggles and our weaknesses, particularly our sin against God and of our fear of his justice and his judgment. We're no better than them that we speak to. Because then when we show them Jesus, openly displayed on the cross, that we deserve, they too may see him today, as they did then. They too, like us, can receive him today, just as they did then. Show one another Christ crucified. I suspect we'll find that embarrassing or hard to do at times. It's not easy to speak of such things. But it is the gospel we say we believe. It is the power of God for salvation. We will not be ashamed of the gospel, says Paul in another of his letters. We lower ourselves, helpless sinners, before God and invite them to see Christ crucified with us. But there's a much better reason not to be ashamed to share the gospel by showing people Christ crucified. And that's because it's the only thing that works. It is the only way to be saved. So have a look at verse 2 with me from our passage. I'd like to learn just one thing from you. It's meant to be slightly an ironic question. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law, by your own works, or by believing what you heard? Did you receive the Spirit who opened your eyes to the Christ crucified by, by the, your work or by believing? So our second point, believe Christ was crucified. Paul calls on the Galatians to think back and to remember how they began in faith. How is it you originally received the Holy Spirit into your hearts? Who opened your eyes? Did you do something? Or did you just believe what you had heard? Well, we heard of Christ crucified. It was like we were there. The scales fell from our eyes and we saw our sin laid on him. And that can only be the case because the Holy Spirit came into us and opened our eyes to see and believe freely and afresh. <coughs> Hearing and believing the gospel of Christ crucified is our and, and anyone else's only hope. It's the only hope. 
Uh, Perhaps if you're a believer here, think back to your own conversion or to your growing awareness of your understanding of the gospel, if you've grown up always believing as a Christian. What is it that you hold on to? Is it something you did? Is it something you do? Or is it solely believing what you heard? Christ was crucified for our sin. I hope it's believing that Christ was crucified. That is what faith is. As Hebrews defines it, I think it's on the screen, uh, chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. So we didn't literally see it, but through faith, we saw it before our very eyes. That is what faith is. It portrays Christ crucified. Faith holds dearly in confidence to the open display of Christ on the cross. We weren't there, but we believe it. That is faith, given freely by the Spirit. Or Ephesians 2.8 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God. Even faith itself is the work of the Spirit to open our eyes. It's a free gift, nothing we did. So verse 3 again, are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Have you experienced so much in vain? If it really is in vain, he, he suggests they're still Christians. They just need to refresh their minds as to what the gospel is. So again I ask, does God give you his Spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? I hope none of us are trusting we are saved through anything we do. Uh, Coming to church, reading our Bibles, uh, seemingly loving one another or God. None of that can save us. All right and good things to do. All fruits of the true Christian. All to be earnestly uh, sought by us, yes. But all things that will fall short if that is what we're trusting in for salvation. We are not able to save ourselves. None of it is to be trusted for justification before God. We began in faith alone, in Christ alone, and we continue in faith alone, through Christ alone, and we will finish in faith alone, by Christ alone. It is that way designed so that God receives all the glory. Not one of us. We can't boast in anything else but Christ crucified. God receives the glory. Do you see him there? Openly displayed for you. Uh, When Paul went round portraying Christ, he he demonstrated the signs of a true apostle among the churches uh, of signs and miracles. Uh, He says in 2 Corinthians 12, 12, I persevered in demonstrating you, among you, the marks of a true apostle, including signs, wonders and miracles. Do you think these things come from any of my own works, he says back in Galatians? Or your works? No, it's all a gift of the Spirit. It is all God's work. It's nothing to do with me and my works. Believe in Christ crucified. Receive his spirit. No one can save you other than that. Continue in faith, he says. And of course the Jews at the time, they might have argued, but whoa, hang on, what, 
you're talking a lot about this Jesus chap. Um, what about the great saints of the Old Testament? They didn't know Jesus. Uh, surely Abraham was saved by works of the law, by, by doing things. And Paul's response to his assumed question of them is, well, you've got it wrong. You've misinterpreted the Old Testament. Christ fulfilled the law for those of faith before his life and after. Have a look at verse 6 to 9. That's where he goes on to now. So also Abraham believed, that word, God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles, so all people, by faith, and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. This gospel of faith alone was announced to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed, along with Abraham, the man of faith. Abraham, the father of Israel, even he did not receive his righteousness, being right with God, being declared justified, if you like, through works, but through faith, through believing, through trusting God and his promises. Uh, Paul there in that passage quoted Genesis 6, saying that even Abraham, sorry, Genesis 15, verse 6, even Abraham believed and it was credited to him as righteousness. The, the Gentile believers are as much the children of Abraham as the Jewish believers, because it's all through faith, belief. The gospel is a great equaliser of men and women. All nations to be justified by faith alone, in Christ alone, simply by believing in Christ crucified. That is faith. Believing Christ crucified. So our third point, how does Christ crucified on the cross actually help us? Uh, so number three, cursed for us. Have a look at verse 10 of our passage, Galatians three ten. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse, as it is written. Cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. No one can save themselves. It's just not possible, he says. Even our best attempts and actions are tainted by sin and selfishness. We cannot achieve a pure thought or action on our own before God. Every time we do, it gets worse because we see how far, fall we, how far we fall short. And as such, verse 11, clearly no one who relies on the law is justified before God. No one can do it. Because the righteous will live by faith. Uh, so we're cursed. We're facing right and just judgment eternally before God. And what can we do about that curse? Well, nothing. That's his point. We're cursed. But someone who is not cursed perhaps can. Have a look at verse 13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole, Christ crucified. He redeemed us in order 
that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promised Holy Spirit. The law puts us all under a curse before God. We will face his right judgment and wrath because of our rebellion and sin against him, our failure to keep his holy laws. Like last week, we said the law is is like a mirror. It reflects to us our sinfulness. God's holy character and goodness in the law reflects our depravity and our sin on this side. Cursed, but... And this is why Christ crucified. The cross event is the, is the key, the mechanism, the beauty of our justification of the gospel. Because on it, Jesus became cursed for us. Uh, Paul refers to the very law of God, Deuteronomy 21-23, and where we're told that anyone hung on a pole is cursed by God. That is where we see the love of Jesus for his people, isn't it? As he goes to the cross, is hung on a pole, he takes on the curse of God upon himself so that we may be free. He didn't just die having been a good man to show us how to live. He died having been a perfect man for us to have life itself so that we can live. He's not just a role model for life. He is our very life. And as we die to our old self, as we saw last week, we receive new life in Christ as his promised Holy Spirit lives in us. Our curse put upon Jesus and Jesus' righteousness put upon us as evidenced and seen by God the Father through the Spirit living in our hearts. So we cast off any allusions to grandeur as individuals, as people, as a race, as a church. We, we cast off any sort of special nature or importance we might have. Or thoughts that, you know, we might bring a twinkle to God's eye if we do this or that. And instead we cast our minds to Jesus, openly displayed on the cross for you. Receive his spirit who gives you faith and live now, dead to who we once were. For that person... And that life died with Christ, the curse gone. And now we are alive through faith in Christ alone. Uh, Not many of us are running around uh, hoping that if we get circumcised, we might uh, bring some extra credits between us and God. Uh, But we do run around thinking that, yeah, God owes me. If I show a bit of grace to someone who doesn't deserve it, well... Or God will love me a little bit more if I read my Bible every day. Or Jesus must have seen something special in me, you know, to save me rather than someone else. All this is a sort of gospel plus something. As if there's something about us that makes us a bit better and adds a little bit to our gospel. They're all thinking that we can earn a bit of God's favour. Or God still sort of owes me something. If I do the right thing. It's just not possible, says Paul. Jesus crucified has literally given you everything. His very life in exchange for yours. There's nothing more that needs giving. Christ crucified is our only hope. 
And so now Jesus alone is our joy. He alone is our treasure. Jesus alone is that twinkle, that joy in God's eye. Not us, but through him, we too receive the blessings of Abraham. God's favour and his blessings, eternal life, righteousness, life with Jesus eternal, life eternal, joy in his presence, the holy of holies. So when we're tempted, perhaps bewitched by Satan, to elevate ourselves or or our own work or our own worth before God, by our sinful nature to which we have died but, yet, but not yet fully uh, realised until Christ returns. Well, at that point, remember Jesus, Christ crucified, has given us everything. He's taken that curse. He's been crucified for us. Believe. Look again. Do you see him? Openly displayed. Christ crucified in love for you. Let's go and share that news with others this week. Let me pray. Our Lord Jesus, we thank you that you were openly displayed on the cross. That through faith, your work of the Spirit in our hearts The scales have fallen from our eyes and we can see before our very eyes. Forgive us for thinking we are good or special or great. Instead, may we exalt and glorify you and you alone. We praise you that we have received the blessings of Abraham through your work and your work alone. We thank you that we have joy and life in your, in your presence eternally. That you have given us righteousness in exchange for our cursed life. Freely, graciously, for your glory alone. And so we, may we live this life striving to be like you, but trusting only in you. And may we share this news with others who, like us, need our curse lifted and Christ crucified. Amen.